This is the Office Flip-Flops Podcast. I am Francesca Zampaglione, your host. I created this show for people with busy lives and who might not have hours in their day to listen to one show. So whether you're driving to work, taking a walk, walking your dog, or even if your dog is walking you, this show is for you and will make you feel complete. The episodes are short and last about 20 minutes or so. You'll be able to start and finish an entire episode in one shot. My guests are leaders who inspire and offer positive ways to feel good and be happy. So start your day with me and get your shot of positivity with each episode and allow the surge of dopamine to motivate you for the day ahead. Now let's dive in. My friends, welcome to this week's episode of Office Flip-Flops. I am Francesca, your host. So excited and thrilled that you're here. Grateful that you're here. Listen, I know you have a lot going on, but today's episode is something you'll definitely want to listen to. This is part one of a two-part series of an interview with someone named Dave Raymond. You might not know his name, but I'm absolutely certain you know the character that he created. He is the first Philly fanatic who is the mascot for the Philadelphia Phillies and has been named by Sports Illustrated the best mascot of all time. So Dave shares in this episode how he came up with the character. I asked him, where did it all start, Dave? And it's an incredible tribute to his mother, his childhood, and how with someone who loves to talk created this incredible character who doesn't talk. I love to hear that. Dave is known as the hero of happiness, and after listening to him, you will understand why. My friends, without further ado, the fun and inspirational David Raymond. So today's guest is David Raymond. Some of you might know him um, as a keynote speaker and a thought leader on sustainable happiness, right? So he's going to share some lessons with us today, my friends, that he's learned through his unique career as the Philly fanatic. Wow. Dave is the original Philly fanatic. Um, His work has been featured everywhere on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon um, to ESPN. And now he speaks to organizations and companies on his power of fun message. Dave, I am so honored to have you here today. Let's talk about some fun. What do you say about that? Oh my gosh, it's great. And and Francesca, I love the podcasting platform. I'm so excited when folks like you um, have not only jumped into it, but do it well. Um, I'm a fan of the podcast, as you can see, I put my flip-flops. I know. Uh, So impressive. Because, you know, that's authentic storytelling is, is so deeply rooted in everything that, that I've done. And it's, and it is really a wonderful opportunity in a podcast to tell people about your story, um, to give them something that they can listen to, uh, other than, you know, the brain candy that we're, firing at us at all cylinders all the time <laughs> uh, that I that I am susceptible to. I mean, you know, whatever I'm saying, I'm trying to fight to learn myself. But that's right. what I love about podcasts. I turn off the brain candy and some and, you know, some of the podcasts can be a different form of brain candy, but it but you can yeah. pick what brain candy that you want. But there's also such great stuff which you're doing. And, and I just appreciate. It. So thank you for inviting me. I, I'm excited for our talk. I'm excited for our talk. As well. And for those of you who are just listening to this episode, he has flip flops properly propped up on the bookshelf in the view. So 
you'll be able to watch this video as well. But um, so I'm honored that you that you listen and pay attention. And you're right, it is an incredible platform for us to share our stories. But I am here today to give you the opportunity to share your story as the Philly fanatic. My friends, he's been the Philly fanatic has been voted like the best mascot to according to Sports Illustrated, like of all time. Let's just and for those of you who are not from Philly, you probably know about him because he's been everywhere. And so, you know what? I might be wrong about this, David, but I, I did a little digging. So you'll have to correct me along the way. But you didn't, that your first day as the fanatic, you didn't know that that was going to be your first day. And you're, you're ball, you went into your boss and you asked him what to do. Let's talk about that story right then and there and how you started from the very beginning. Yeah, it was um, athletics was the backdrop of my entire life. So my, my dad um, was at the University of Delaware for just a little less than 50 years as a coach. He started as the head baseball coach and assistant football coach. When I was uh, eight, nine years old, he got the job as the head coach at the University of Delaware. And that was my whole existence was growing up with this local icon, a, a hero. And, you know, I just wanted to play sports. And that's all I thought about was going to Delaware and playing football for my dad and I got the opportunity to do that. And when he knew that I was really interested in being a coach as well, he helped me get a job with the Phillies because uh, he knew the ownership, the Carpenter family, because they were big supporters of the University of Delaware. And so I went as an intern in 76 and 77, and I fell in love with the idea of having a full-time job, you know, before there was a sports marketing degree, to have a full-time job working for my Philadelphia Phillies. I couldn't believe it. And then after the two years were over, I'm like, gosh, now I have to finish school, you know, or the Philly's going to forget about me. And instead, they called me up in 78 um, in the spring, in the early spring and said, hey, look, you can come back and have another summer with us, which I wasn't supposed to get. Just it was supposed to be a two year internship. And I said, yeah, what do you want me to do? And they said, you need to go to New York and get fitted for the costume. <laughs> which I I protest I protested at first like what are you talking about and they said look just go to New York we got to hurry up and get this done quickly so um, I went to New York you know walked into Geppetto's puppet studio got fitted they showed me the 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 design drawing and I said oh my gosh they're gonna pay me to be a Muppet <laughs> and and I was excited because I was thinking well this is a great way to prove value my dad had said do whatever they ask you to do. You prove mm. your value and then, you know, it doesn't matter if these things don't work out because ultimately, if you get a full-time job with them, you won't be doing those things. You'll be, you'll, you'll focus your work into an environment that you're, you're learning on the job. Well, of course, those were fateful words, uh, except for the fact that it became, became my entire existence. So right. the costume was delayed uh, in its construction. We were, I knew that uh, the only direction I had was, you're going to get this costume and, and the character is just going to show up. We're not going to promote it. We're going to not going to talk about it. It's going to be a big surprise because oh. we don't want anybody to get angry at us. You know, like, oh, because well, it, it wasn't, Francesca, it wasn't a good idea on paper for most right. eyes. Uh, the people in the promotions office thought it had a chance, but they were concerned too. So they said, let's just throw it out there and see what they think because they did that with a lot of things. And sometimes their failures were as important as the successes. So, Everybody should, uh, after you're done watching this podcast, Google search Kite Man, Philly's Kite Man, and you'll see a huge failure that became one of their biggest successes because of the fail. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
And then I only got nervous because the costume, when it was delayed, wasn't delivered until that very day that they decided that was the day wow. we were going to go. No direction. The only experience I had was what, Halloween? <laughs> I didn't know right. what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't had a chance to wear the costume. So I didn't even uh, have any idea. I knew it fit because I, I put it on in the morning and it looked amazing. I mean, I was so surprised with how great the costume looked because still in my mind, I thought it was going to be some Halloween costume. It, it turned right. out to be, it's, it's a, it was a Muppet. And uh, I went to my boss's office, Bill Giles, actually my boss's boss. And I said, Mr. Giles, what do you want me to do? And, you know, he saw that I had some concern and, and, and actually fear in my face. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's the first time I thought about this. And he said, look, you have to make sure you're having fun. So as long as it's G-rated fun, David, you go have fun. And then we'll figure this out together. And you know, I'm 21 years old. And wow. my boss's boss, Bill Giles, who eventually became, you know, bought the team from the Carpenter family. Um, and he's collaborating with me, which, you know, made me feel like, okay, he's trusting me. Let me make sure I don't betray the trust. And I did. I right. went out and had a good time. Everything that I liked in comedy, the Three Stooges, Slapstick, uh, all the cartoons, right. Yuck. I kind of channeled that. Uh, I loved to dance and move. Um, I did that naturally well. So I just went out and did those things. And the most important thing was, in terms of a, an authentic story, was I was a Phillies fan. I knew all of our insecurities. I knew who we loved. I knew who we hated. I'm yeah. doing air quotes. You know, air quotes, yes. That's word, but but that, yes. I mean, you know, we're passionate, right? So I knew yes. how to exercise that because I was a fan. So yeah. I played that role. And over the next two or three months with Bill Giles collaborating with me, I really started to define in my head the personality that I felt Gosh. was important to embody. And then once I had the personality down, then it was a away we go. Cause because I didn't I well, put the costume on like a super suit. And the superpower was the fanatic's personality. And I I just let it go. And it wow. was and, and as long as I didn't make too many mistakes and the majority of what I did was G rated, I might have pushed it to PG rated. <laughs> um and then Bill would Bill would slap my hand and say, Well, wait a minute, that wasn't, you know, you're a little bit too right. close to the line. And I explained to him, well, I'm I'm entertaining adults, so I want to pull them along. And he said, great, let's just keep it under control. And so then after about six months, he just never asked me anymore. He just let me go. And it well, uh, it lightened leadership, Francesca. That's what I got with the Phillies. And, and Bill Giles was a genius at motivating people and making them feel important and valued. He did it with everybody, not just with me. And, and that Philly's organization during that time was the closest family I would ever have beyond my own. And it was because of, you know, Bill Giles and the Carpenter family doing what they did, you know, valuing people, um, rewarding them when they did well, um, you know, not not letting them go just because they made a mistake, you know, talking about those mistakes. So right, right. All of that went into the Fanatics' success. I love that collaboration. I love the leadership. Thank you for sharing that because I don't know that a lot of people know that story, right? It started somewhere like it's the Philly fanatic has been around and this is just the genesis of it all and where it came about. Um, and one of my questions is you're a person who likes to talk a lot and <laughs> the Philly fanatic doesn't have a voice. In fact, now there's something else that I heard that I want you to help me figure out here. I understand that your mother might've had a hearing aid 
and that she would she like turn it down just so she wouldn't hear you so i guess my my thing You're is close. I'm, like, here's, I'm close You're really close uh, because but, my but thing you... is here's somebody who want who likes to talk and then how did you articulate and translate that into gestures and motions like wow like what an incredible transformation well i think first of all it's so wonderful you allow me to testify about my mom because i do in all my mm. keynotes she's a, she's a central um, feature in all of my uh, in my messaging because she was you know my dad was my hero but you know we stood on these giant shoulders of my mom yes uh, Su susie uh, as my dad called her but at the age of 29 she went from a hearing woman to a deaf woman just like mm. that um oh, wow. of meniere's disease same disease that Huey Lewis has, uh, that he can't sing anymore. Um, and it affects people differently. For my mom, she lost virtually all of her hearing and she had to mm. work really hard to, um, she never treated it as a handicap. And, and so uh, she was given hearing aids during this time with the audiologist when they were working with her. And they said, you know, Susie, you, this won't allow you to hear, but you've got to practice on lip reading. So they were working on that skill set for her. And they said, as long as people get in front of you, and communicate in front of you so you can see the lips, the, the, the hearing aids will amplify sound and that will help you articulate some of what you're not capturing with the lip reading. So I was three years old when she was 29. So yeah, as a three-year-old, <laughs> I'm being told I have to stand in front of my mother and right. communicate with her. So, and as I grew up, I realized, oh, I could entertain her too. So I was always trying to make her smile and laugh and non-verbally, I was unknowingly as Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers, I was having hundreds of thousands of hours of practice with nonverbal communication skills. But I, I always say that at the during the time of my keynote, is said, well, but as I got older and became a teenager, those conversations got more intense. And when I was started to argue and raise my voice to my mom about not understanding why, just because I didn't make my bed, that I can't have the car to go <laughs> to the dance. And I got right. three of my friends that I'm taking to the mm. dance and I can't let them down. And mom, this isn't fair. And my voice, is, and she would, her hearing aid would clip to her bra and it would have right. a wire. Kind of, and she would reach in her, and just go click and turn, turn yeah. off the hearing aid. And that's when the fanatics personality was, you know, really was born wow. like this. So, um, so she inspired this skill set that, um, and it was a great lesson for me because any skill set that you have that you do naturally, you don't value it. Even if it's, even if you, if you're a virtuoso on whatever instrument you want to plug in the blank there um, and you just automatically are playing it well, you, you start to realize, oh, I'm really, you know, this is natural to me. Well, right. it takes you a long time for you to take credit for being a virtuoso because you do it so well. So I was a virtuoso in nonverbal communication without having any ability to, in my mind, to believe I was good. So it took me years and years and years to take credit for the work I did as a fanatic. And in part, because media would ask me that question. Okay. And I, did, and I felt yeah. like I was taking advantage of my mom's, you know, hearing problem until I went to mom and said, what do you think? I said, oh my gosh, yeah, that's an absolutely David. I would. Oh. She, she went on to work with the deaf community, was a certified interpreter well. for the deaf all because of this handicap. She became an empowered woman, which, you know, made me even more proud of her, but she's well, responsible for this personality that's continuing to go out and entertain millions and millions of people over the last 45 years. It's it. And it's in part is because of my mom. So it's, it's, oh, well, to get the opportunity to talk about her. 
What an incredible story. I'm so glad I asked that question. You know, as you as you put the pieces together, you're never really sure what to include. And I'm so glad I included that because that's Thank such you. a genuine story. Um, so, so you're this incredible Muppet <laughs> engaging with the Philadelphia fans and, and the teams that they're playing. And, you know, one of your titles, David, is that you're the hero of happiness. And there's this emotional connection, however, that when we see you, when we see the fanatic, when I say you, like everyone's face lights up. Like what you've created is, I, I, I'm at a loss for words, but how did you know? Like, how do you know so we don't have so many and we can bring this into the story or not. So we don't have too many Tommy Lasorda moments. And for those of you who don't know the story, it's another YouTube moment. Um, he didn't seem to like the fanatic. I guess he was defending his team, the Dodgers. But how do you know who to approach and who not to approach? But you're there for everyone. I guess that's one of my questions. You, you've done it so well. Um, and yes, we want everybody happy. But do you have a gauge perhaps that you use? Yeah, it's. It's well. Let Let's start with the um. Let's start with the nuts and bolts first. How I knew okay. who to engage was was whatever I felt like would be joyful for me. So I, here I am, a an athlete who who um, dug and scratched my whole career to be able to play college football, and um, I was a, a really good base uh, pitcher in baseball until I hurt my shoulder, which made me focus on football. So these these uh, superstars or, or gods in my life were the players. And the umpires to get to know them. So I just used the fanatic as a vehicle that I realized when I interacted as the fanatic with these with these superstars, the rest of the fans were like, "Oh, look, he's with Mike Schmidt. He's with Tucker right. Grohl. He's with Dave Parker. He, you know, he's with uh, he's dancing with Eric Gregg." Uh, and I realized that that made great value in my performance. But for me, I got to I get to work with these guys like they're my friends. So that's the nuts and bolts of who. Who did I know? I just went wherever I thought would light me up. And then I realized I'm a fan. So yes. it was lighting them up. So one fed off the other. But but Got here's it. the great analogy for what the fanatic does. This is in today's world. So think of it in today's world and what he continues to do because the fanatic is evergreen. Yes. You know, he, he lives, right? I, yes. I left the Phillies in 93. It's 45 years later, the fanatic is still doing this. So Imagine the fanatic is in front of one of the sections of Citizens Bank Park. So that section may hold uh, roughly uh, 500 to 1,000 people. Mm -hmm. And the shot of the fanatic is from the back. The fanatic is in the welcoming pose, arms over the head, palms out. Um, and he's looking at all these fans. And all the fans are focused on him and reacting. And if you, and this is a high-resolution picture now, Francesca. Let's zoom in on the people. Here's right. what you see. Virtually everybody is smiling or laughing, okay? They are white. They are of color. They are of whatever descent you could imagine in the diversity in that stance. They're big. They're small. They're men. They're women. They identify whatever they want to identify as. But they're part of the family because they're wearing the Phillies colors. And in the yes. fanatic mind, if you're wearing the Phillies P, you're part of the family. doesn't matter who you are, what you identify as, or what's your focus, whether you're Republican or Democrat, uh, uh, it, liberal, um, conservative, it does not matter. You are now a member of the family. And that is, that's a that's a solution to all of the concerns we're having in today's world, because we are pitted against one another because yes. we look different, we think differently, right? And right. It, that, uh, that um, illustration of how you can all come together no matter 
you know, wh where you come from is really the most important thing that the fanatic does. And he does it because his personality is, oh, you're a Phillies fan. If you're a Mets fan or Yankees fan, get the heck out. Because every now and then people are excluded, right? Right, they're, right. They're excluded because of the passion for our team. That's um, right. And it, it is a wonderful um, lesson for us to, to see that there are always things that connect us and always things that bind us together. And the fanatic is a unifier. Um, and that's the thing that I think is so powerful. You see silly, wacky, furry. You see the Tommy Lasorda video. You go, oh my yeah. gosh, I can't believe they have. You see the fanatic <laughs> dancing with the umpires or or doing whatever right. hijinks he's doing and you laugh and you giggle. But right underneath the surface is a is a vitally important lesson that we we are more in common than we're not. When we surround ourselves with uh, the things that we love and we share them, you are going to learn about people that you don't know about if they if they want to share with you as well. And, and that's a, yes. honestly a solution, Francesca, simple solutions to very complex wow. problems is, is part of my message. And this is, this is really, really important to remember when you're giggling at the silly, the silly green wacky furriness, also see what's happening right under your nose and pay attention to it because it's a lesson for us. Dave Raymond is most certainly the superhero of happiness. I loved spending time with him today. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I separated into two pieces to keep to the format of this show. So be sure to tune in next week. But in the meantime, I'd love to summarize my top three takeaways of today's episode. Number one, the Philly fanatic personality was born when Dave was a young child, right? His mother inspired the skill set. And Dave reminds us that any skill set we have, and we do naturally, we don't value it. It takes a long time to take credit for what we do so well. So Dave's talent in nonverbal communication without having any ability to believe that he was good, it took him many years to take credit for the work that he did with the fanatic. Number two, the fanatic is a unifier. He brings all of us together. Politics don't matter, and we're all members of the same family. It's a simple solution. It's a simple solution for all of the concerns that we have in today's world. The fanatic shows how we can all come together, no matter where we come from. It really is the most important thing that he does. And number three, under the surface of the furry, fun, green uniform is a vitally important lesson. We have more in common than we don't. When we surround ourselves with the things that we love and we share them, we are going to learn a simple solution. It's important to remember that. And when we're giggling at the fanatic, it's important to see what's happening right under our nose. Pay attention to it because it is an important lesson. And my friends, between now and next week, here's a challenge for you. Strike up a conversation with a complete stranger and find that one thing in common with them. Think about the Philly fanatic as a unifier and pay it forward. Until next week, my friends, when we will have part two available for you, have an amazing day. Thank you. I hope today's episode inspired you. Make sure you check out the show notes with the important links for my guest. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend via text or on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was on social media. I love hearing the feedback from you and it helps make this show better. 
And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you matter, you are not alone, and to stay inspired by what you heard today. Thank you.